The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, February 9th. The 2020 NFL season has ended. There's much to process from the Super Bowl, a uh, resounding Chiefs victory, 31 to, excuse me, Bucks victory over the Chiefs, 31 to 9. Uh, and to unpack it a little bit further, joining me, Ryan, uh, joining me are Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's up, fellas? Long time no talk. Talk to you at three in the morning in Sanford, Connecticut, and here we are, three in the afternoon. I'm back home. This is like how much you talk to someone when you're dating them in high school or college. This is, right. That's that's this podcast now, guys. We're just dating each other. That's what it feels like. Breach, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> the um, I, I we were live for a substantial amount of time yesterday. I don't know if um, did we do the. Is the whole, is the whole thing? Oh my God. The whole stream is live on YouTube. Nine and a half hours on YouTube. What the hell? If Who's going to watch nine and a half hours of uh, the Super Bowl countdown? If someone films themselves watching nine and a half hours of that and sends it to us, we will mail you a check for $80,000. Rinson will oh, Venmo you. Down. No, I want to, I'm not paying $10. Anybody. $1 per hour that you watch. And I will, I will chip in if Rinson can't afford that. I will make you cookies. But you know what's funny is that if someone does do that, one of us is going to have to watch it for nine and a half hours. You can watch somebody watching it, it for nine and a half hours. That's right. That's so uh, let's, we should not do that contest. No, no, that's, that's Debo's job. He said he wanted to watch more of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, this is like this headfirst dive into live, constant live streaming is going to get one of us in trouble, by the way. And it's probably going to be me. hundred oh, percent. If there are odds. Oh, sorry, Wilson, go ahead. It'll probably, I'll probably get fired and Brent will get a raise out of it somehow. <laughs> that's what'll happen. Uh, make sure and check out the podcast feed. Uh, we had that full recap available. Uh, we also have, if you, you know, you know, if you don't want to watch nine and listen to nine and a half hours of us on YouTube, you can check out, um, just the actual podcast itself, a recap. Uh, please leave a five star review. If you get a chance, we will be handling all mailbag questions. Anybody who leaves a five star review on Apple podcast and ask us a question about this all season, we will get to it. So go ahead and get your questions in now. It takes a little while for them to populate. Uh, we will be doing mailbags throughout the offseason. Love doing mailbags. You guys are great listeners, and we appreciate everybody for their support. Um, we also will have a discussion about the future for the Bucks and Chiefs later this week, an offseason preview, and a early look ahead to the coming season uh, in 2021. It's a kind of you know, sneakily a short turnaround for more football. Um Let's uh, let's dive into the game from Sunday night first, and, and go a little bit deeper into it. Um, we did uh, last last year. We apparently did this. Uh, what was the defining moment? Um, it's almost hard to remember that we were like a year ago. We were sitting on the on that stand outside of uh, Robbie Joe or whatever they call that place now. Robbie Joe, Joe Robbie, Joe Robbie, yeah. <laughs> Joseph Robert, Robbie Joe. Yeah. Um, well, I don't remember what what do we. I think it was, did we all, did we all agree that it was like the wasp play that was the defining moment? What else would it be? I wonder. I just can't, I just can't remember exactly what we said the defining moment of the Super Bowl was because I'm sure we all had to come up with uh, different answers. Well, what, what would you say the defining moment for Super Bowl 55 was? We'll for see. me, I'm going to say the last drive of the first half for both teams. Chiefs settled for a field goal, um, when they needed to score and then, uh, the myriad pass interference calls that were hot garbage. And the meltdown that ensued by the Chiefs and the touchdown that ensued after that going into the half to make it 21 to six. And they still had a chance of Chiefs coming back uh, out of the half. And all they did was kick a field goal, trade a touchdown with the Bucks on, on their next drive. And, and that was virtually it. So the last drives of the first half for both teams sort of turned things around because if the Chiefs score and you have enough cl- time where the Bucks can't get the ball, uh, it is 13 to 14, I think, right? Yeah. It's 13 to 14 going into half. 
instead of 21 6. Yeah, uh, wait, wait, wait. If the, you're saying if the, it's 13 to, it's, it's 10 to 14, sorry. Yeah, let's get, let's say, let's say nine, cause I think they get a field goal. It was, right? No, they kicked the field goal to make it 20, to make it 14 6. Yes. If they scored there instead, it's 14 to Oh, 10. I see what you're saying. It's 14 10. Right, 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 right. Instead right, right. of 21 6. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, Breach, would you, do you agree, disagree? Uh, I, I mean, I agree with that, but it depends on what we're using as our definition of defining moment. Cause Ryan's putting together two drives here. So it was kind of a series of moments. Whereas, you know, like last year, you could say there was this third and 15 call. If the Chiefs don't convert third and 15 with like whatever it was, seven minutes left in the f- fourth quarter, they don't win the game. They're trailing by 10. It was all over. And so I kind of think of defining moment as in five years from now, what are we going to remember from the Super Bowl? And for me, it's just going to be Tom Brady holding the Lombardi trophy. And it's where you say, this guy spent 20 years in the AFC and everybody said, oh, he's in the AFC East. He gets a free pass to the playoffs. There's been so many excuses for it's the truthers. Brinson mentioned the Montana truthers, but there are the, the Brady truthers who don't want to recognize that Brady is a great quarterback. And so there's just all these excuses. Well, he got a free pass to the playoffs out of the AFC East. And so, uh, he's automatically in a divisional round every year and Belichick was his coach. And so finally, what do you get? You get him sent to the NFC. You get people saying, you know, Drew Brees is there. Aaron Rodgers is there. Uh, he's not winning the Super Bowl. He didn't have an offseason to learn this off, and this is not going to happen. If he gets to the playoffs, that would be impressive. And so what do we see? We see Tom Brady uh, uh, hoisting the trophy because he won the Super Bowl in the NFC. First quarterback ever to do it in the NFC and the AFC. And, and then if you want to talk about a game moment, then for me it will just be the five years. Five years from now, all we'll remember is that Patrick Mahomes got murdered in this game. Like okay. we might look, we might twenty years from now look back on it as the worst game of Patrick Mahomes' career. Like that might carry forever, and that's what this Super Bowl will be remembered for. So, One just to clarify, two your two defining moments: one are the entire game, and two <laughs> are is the, Tom Brady holding the trophy after the game. Isn't Didn't you get on me for my defining moment being too long? Well, <laughs> it was. I was thinking making one play, but you, I, I was like, you know what? I can one up Ryan if he's going to go with two possessions. I'll just go with <laughs> every time the Chiefs touch the ball. And he said, wait, wait, if I need to make it an in-game moment, it would be Patrick Mahomes every time Patrick Mahomes got hit. Um, I actually, I actually think Ryan is spot on a, a little. I was trying to narrow it down and, and drill it down. I, like, I agree with you. I mean, like Brady winning this is, is crazy. I mean, like the fact that he went and did this in his first year in Tampa Bay in a pandemic with, and they had to, you know, they had to go at Washington, at New Orleans, at Green Bay. And then beat Patrick Mahomes at home. I mean, like that pathway, there's a lot of traps along that pathway where you don't come away with the Super Bowl. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Breach. I mean, it's a, it's a legacy shifting Super Bowl victory for, for Tom Brady, but I kind of go back, um, maybe, and I think just for the sake of making it a little bit different, uh, instead of Ryan's, instead of pointing to the, and cause I went back and watched the first half, uh, this on, on Monday morning before we recorded this. And I mean, it, like the Chiefs, first of all, I think the Chiefs game plan was, offensive game plan was awful. Like terrible. Like they got completely outcoached by, uh, Todd Bowles and, and, and Bruce Arians and that defensive staff. I mean, they didn't have it. I, I don't know if it was an Eric Bienemy thing. I don't know if it was an Andy Reid thing. I don't know if it was Andy Reid is distracted. I'm just telling you, like they don't, they didn't, ha- they weren't like running any short, quick, option like looks for the for for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It was like trying to get vertical, trying to get deep on everything and forcing Mahomes with no time in the pocket. He's just getting crushed. And when the, the you know there were blitzes called at perfect times. Um on the first drive, uh Bowles dialed up a double cornerback blitz. Had the cornerbacks blitz off of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and into and onto Mahomes. Um and they had these three safety looks going that you know, just put Mahomes, Mahomes wasn't ready for it. And by the time they started to adjust, it was too late. Uh, but that was, that was, was the only time all season they did that two corner, cornerback safety blitz. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean the, but you know, that's, that's the, what you do in the Super Bowl. You know, you bust out your, you bust out the good plays. No, I'm not commenting on it. I'm just saying that they had never seen Oh, that. yeah. Okay. So you're saying, yeah. Um, I would actually point to the offsides penalty on the Ooh. field goal as a defining moment in the Super Bowl because 
one. But you, you you think it was a bad call? You mean? Why are we calling that? Who gives a crap? Yeah, I mean it's you know, can't line up in the neutral zone on and on, um, Breach's buddy. Who's the official that works for the other network that you cited last night, Breach? Terry McCauley. He, I think he tweeted again this morning. He said he rewatched the pass interference on Mike Evans, the first one, and he he said it's not there. But go ahead. Well, but but to to the point about the offside thing, like like you can disagree with it, however you want. Like why are we calling it? But you know you could look at it and say, all right, you know he could have called you could have called guys on either side of the of the line. One, I think that that speaks to sort of how the Chiefs approach this game. Like, that's sloppy. You know, it's a fourth and five. You cannot line up offsides on a field goal attempt because you're going to give them a first down. That is, that, that's a t- you come, you come at Tom Brady like that with that lack of preparation and like that lack of discipline. You're not going to win the Super Bowl. And that, and that, you know, when, when stuff like that is happening, it should be a, a, a red flag about how this team is prepared. And then secondly, after the offsides play, they immediately took a shot down the field. The very next play was a 17 yard touchdown to Gronk and. That changed, I'm not going to say, you know, that didn't change everything, but it's, it goes from 10 to three to 14 three. And then as Ryan points out, they have to settle for a field goal. It's 14 six. And then the timeout call, the timeouts by Andy Reid, it's sort of like just, it, it all sort of escalated and snowballed into all of a sudden it's 21 six at halftime. And as, you know, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, you, you, you know, you have to at least worry like, can they come back? I, I would push back a little bit on that. And JJ wrote about this on Monday morning. I got to find it, but I think he wrote about the Chiefs over the course of the season getting a ton of penalties. And number one, that was an interception that Tyron Matthew had, and they called it back because that stupid defensive holding that had nothing to do with. You could argue the ball was tipped as that, a, that, that's going to get called. That was a holding call. If the ball's tipped when the when you're being held, it, it oh yeah yeah with the tip yeah. No. So that's that's a BS call, number one, and that changes the tenor of how that was going. That's a mistake by Brady. That's a mistake. Uh, I don't even know who who deflected the ball. Great play there. So it's just a series of things. And being offside isn't a lack of preparation or sloppiness. It's a dumbass call by an official that doesn't need to make that call. What do you call? You're offside. You're offside. I don't. I don't I mean, it wasn't clear that they were egregiously offside. And how many times in your life have they called offsides and the person standing on the very end of the line of the field goal in the twenty years you've been watching football? That's my point. It's just a weird time to call it. If you call it in the preseason because you're working on stuff, great. You call it in the Super Bowl after, as Breach noted last night, they haven't called anything all Super Bowl, all playoff run. And now all of a sudden these guys are throwing flags like their lives depend on it. That's all. See, I absolutely agree with the point Ryan just made, but I do think the flip side of that is what in the hell are you doing even taking the chance of lining off offsides yeah, are you like, on are a four you and five play it? in the Super Bowl? Like why even cut it that close? If you scoot back six inches, uh, you don't even have to worry about this. It's not even a debate. So I do not think the official should have thrown the flag. I do agree with Ryan, but I also think if you're a Chiefs defender, you don't even let the ref, you don't even let that don't, thought pop in his head. It's insane. Right. I mean, and, but the like, way you guys just described real quick, Brinson, all these shots. You're mad you got pulled over for speeding, and you're thinking you're doing like a 90 down the highway. Oh, come I, on, officer. It's empty road. Why, why? You no, know, I'd say it's like here. you're going like 83 and a 75. Like you're not you go. going way over. And so you're like, hey, man, there's people going 90. Why aren't you pulling right. them over? And no, he's like, Breach, you, you say there's a guy that just sped past me on the side of the road to get to the airport. Why don't you pull that butthole over? <laughs> And, and, and the officer can just say, look, were you speeding? And you have to say yes. And he's like, all right, well, you get a ticket. Sorry. That, you know, end of story. I don't care what the other guy was doing. And, and so the way we're describing it almost takes a little bit away from the Buccaneers win with the way the second half end, you know, cause if you, that was their, uh, second, second touchdown drive, it was seven to three. And then when the Buccaneers were driving to put the lead to 14 to three, that's when Brady threw the interception that should have counted because the ball was tipped. So then it's not 14 to three. And then, you know, they got their third touchdown to make it 21 to six based on, you know, two questionable pass interference calls. So now you're, you're, you and, are talking about. And, a, and, a, and let's look, Andy Reid calling timeout on third and two is dumb. Yeah. That was dumb. You don't call timeout there. You, you, you let the Buccaneers, like you call timeout on first down. I get it. Right. After they run that, run that play. Mm-hmm. Th- that's fine. And we talked about this last night or on, on Sunday night, but you call timeout on third and two, you are begging them. To convert and then take a shot after what we've seen from the Buccaneers this offseason or this postseason. And I do think that one, you know, because we did talk about this portion of the game, the end of the first half last night, but when you're able to rewatch it and see everything that happened, you do get a better feel of like how much officiating may have impacted the game. And I still think that even if 
Uh, all the correct calls have been made. You know, the Chiefs still couldn't move the ball offensively. And maybe this game ends with the Buccaneers winning 17 to nine. Uh, but you know, that this would have kept the Buccaneers from scoring points. It doesn't fix anything differently. The Chiefs just couldn't move the ball, but I still think, uh, the Chiefs- this, this game could have been a lot more like Rams. Patriots. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, and instead, you know, 21-6. I mean, it's very clear that whoever got to 25 points in this game first, like after the first quarter, I mean, I don't know, maybe there were some points, that maybe we thought the points were coming, but I mean, whoever got to 25 points first was going to probably win this game. And when the Chiefs were at, tw- I mean, when the Bucks were at 21 at halftime, via, and look, I, I understand what you're saying. We can complain about the officials all we want, but, you know, the, the Chiefs put themselves in positions to be flagged by the officials in all of these instances. Even, um, you know, I, I get that they screwed up the tip. I get that's fine, but you know, there wasn't DPI on either one of those things. So yes, Breland's playing defense. Yes, Matthew's playing defense. They got flagged for the wrong call. That changed the tenor. I mean, I think I think that there was. I think in the on the deep pass down the left to Mike Evans. I think that it. I think it was an incidental trip for sure. It a hundred percent was. But watching it live, it was easy to think that was pass interference. That is, that is not my problem, and that is not the problem. Your problem, that is not. It's the Chiefs' problem. That's the only problem it is because they they screwed it up. Well, and, well, that's fine. But I mean, I've been saying for months and for years that the whole process is is idiotic, and that Al Riveron, um, you know, look, you need you need something in place to stop that. And that's not the same thing as the the you know the Saints Saints Rams pass interference or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like. It's not too dissimilar. You no, know, if it's, you it, don't, just wasn't, it just wasn't as egregious, but it was the, the wrong call. And it's a, a thing where I don't remember, uh, and a breach actually was there. I don't remember if the officials huddled at the, in the Saints game, but just have a conversation. There's seven of you out there. Uh, no one watching the play at all. You just guessing. I mean, it's idiotic. Again, the Chiefs were going to lose that game, but just do what you did the whole time. Well, I mean, if it, look, if it's, if it's 10, if it's 10 to three at half or 10 to six at half, maybe the Chiefs start losing the game, you know? Well, I, and that holding call, uh, the one that, uh, overturned the Tyron Matthew interception, that was on third down. So, you know, that's automatic first down for the Buccaneers. If that pass would have fallen incomplete, literally anything outside that it would have been the Buccaneers trying to field goal if, if it's incomplete. It's the Chiefs fault if it's an interception. Uh, there was no way that play should have worked out well for Tampa Bay. But it did because they get the defensive holding, the five-yard penalty, the automatic first down. And then all of a sudden they're scoring five plays later, just like they scored one play later after the penalty that gave Tampa Bay the first down on the field goal on fourth and five. So it was just uh, – the penalties were just in crushing situations. I would say – I'm rewatching. I've just got it on my laptop right now. I was like actually at this part like, <laughs> like with 18 seconds left in the first half. Um there's no huddle up from the officials. There's a, yeah. a a quick discussion, like, "Hey, this is what happened," um, and then and the flag. Look, the flag came out quick. Um, yeah, you know, like you said, upon first viewing, it looked like it. But I mean, yeah. no. One Evans got his heels on. hit up, but yeah, it's not like it's not like somebody dove and took him out. Uh, and yeah, I mean, look again. You want to you want to let officials decide football games? You know, this is what happens when you know this is this is the risk you run, uh, and so. It's the risk you run to for Andy Reid. You know, you call that timeout on third down and you are asking Tom Brady to convert. And then you're asking Tom Brady to take a shot down the field. Like I think the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers were going to go to half. They were running the football. They ran the football in first and 10. They were going to run the ball three times or two times depending on, and let Andy Reid decide, do you want to call timeouts or do you want to get like, they were going to let the clock run and go to half if Andy Reid didn't call his timeouts. And so, you heard it from Nance and Romo in there. I mean, they were, you know, they were talking about, they're like, you know, on th- you know, on first, first down, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, you want to get the ball back. And then on the third down, Romo said, ah, Jim, this is a risky timeout. And, and they noted that you do want to try to get the ball back. And that's, that's your, that's what, that's your decision making process. And I get it, but it's third and two. It's not third and 17. It's not third and seven. It's not even third and five. It's third and two. And you, and Tom Brady has the ball and you don't have a great defense. And the Buccaneers have been averaging over four yards per carry up to that point. So like even a run gets a first down and you know, then Tampa keeps driving and my and buddy saving them clock. Yeah. My, my buddy Garrett, um, you and Garrett have spent a lot of time. You haven't talked about Zeke lately. What happened to Zeke? Uh, Zeke's great. 
complicated. The Buccaneers to... only had one timeout going into that drive, so it's not Correct. like they could have kept stopping the clock. Yeah. So Garrett Garrett likes to use a phrase, just get to half. Like, in other words, you, you're in, and the Chiefs were in a just get to half situation. You, you, Mahomes have been getting battered. You have six points. You, or do you, they have, they have six at that point? Yeah. Right. Yep. On the last, yeah. very last draft of the Bucks, it was, tw- it was yeah. 14 to six. Yeah. So it's 14 to six. You've just gotten a field goal after getting stood up in the red zone. You're down eight points and you've probably played the worst half of football that you've ever had with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid together. On, on, on Kansas City. Maybe Take, with Matt, maybe with Matt Castle and Todd Haley. That's how bad the, that's how bad they played. I mean. Yeah. I mean, but like get to half. You don't need to get the ball back and try and be a hero at the end of the half. What you need to do is get into that locker room with the extended time of, of the, of the Super Bowl halftime. Right. You need to, you need to figure out what is, what is working, what is not working and go back out there getting the ball back down eight points. You're down one score. And then all of a sudden it's 21-6 and it just changes, as you said, it just changes the tenor of the game and you're giving Tom Brady that extra free touchdown. And I just, it was just a poorly calculated by Andy Reid. Um, and it was, it was, uh, you know, some tough calls against the Chiefs. But man, I mean, the, you know, the Chiefs, Kansas City put themselves in position to have, let bad things happen to them, you know? Yeah. Mission accomplished then. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, one other thing, uh, I got so high talking about kicking last night. I didn't mention the punting. Tommy Townsend had a rough night for the Chiefs. He had two punts of under 30 yards. One of them. What about uh, the first one? The first one. That went 59 was, yards. That, that, another penalty. Remember oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, and that's where I was going to get. Well, that's the Chiefs shooting themselves in a foot, in the foot with again, with a special teams penalty, which is just insane that you have that. Then you have your guy. Uh, you know, you have to send him back out there. He already had a 29 yard punt in the game. So, you know, he's got those rookie jitters. He launches this 59 yarder and he's probably like, all right. Yes. You know, like I'm over this. I'm ready to roll. Nope. You get called for a penalty. He has to punt again from his own nine yard from, from his end zone. The snap was from the nine yard line. And so your rookie punter in the end zone in the Super Bowl, knowing that if you bobble the snap, which he kind of did, uh, mm-hmm. and then boom, he gets off a 29 yard punt. Buccaneers take over on the 38-yard line, and that is where that led to the drama that we all just talked about with uh, the interception that Brady threw on third and four from the 32. Um, but it, that punt directly led into all of this, uh, and, you know, you can't have two punts under 30 yards in the Super Bowl. All right, let's uh, take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at some more deep dive into the Super Bowl 55. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so we talked about some of the defining moments of the Super Bowl. I think one could also argue, too, that uh, our uh, patron saint of announcing – well, actually, I guess Sticky V is technically our patron saint of announcing. But um, incredible moment for one Kevin Harlan. 
Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. <laughs> that was great. He's the king. Um, Just the guy clear. is drunk. He wasn't talking about like any of the players or coaches. He was talking about the guy who ran into the field. The streaker uh, who ran out of the field. And then yeah. pulled that, that's going to get used a lot this offseason. I can promise. See, I feel like. Pull since, up your I, pants, take off the bra, and be a man. <laughs> I feel like since I have, oh, he missed, and Ryan has. The Cowboys will go nine and seven that we need to get some mixer over to mine and Wilson's place so that we can play that one. Anytime Brinson makes a dumb point. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, uh, the mixer, the current setup for, for my mixer is we have three Kevin Harlan's. <laughs> we have Tyron Mathieu, Dickie V, of course. I'm uh, almost Ke- in favor of retiring the Mathieu because as you pointed out, no one can say his name correctly anymore. <laughs> I thought about, I thought about retiring before this podcast and replacing the Kevin Harlan, pull up your pants, uh, with it. But, um, ultimately decided to, to swap out something else. Anyway, so let's talk about some more storylines that, you know, like it's easy to Tom Brady's legacy, Patrick Mahomes, the goat argument, blah, 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 blah. What are some, uh, storylines that are under the radar? Maybe not under the radar, but like a deeper dive storyline that you guys, uh, think popped out from Super Bowl 55. How Todd Haley, Todd Haley, I'm Todd Haley's one. How Todd Bowles did it. Oh, all the Todds look alike to you. How, well, I was going to say how Todd Bowles did it. And also, you know, you keep bringing up, um, what's his name on the other side of the ball? Uh, Eric Bianami. Yeah, Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> he only gets a name check when they get blown out. It uh, is, it is tough. It's like, but, yeah, Bieniemy is in charge of everything. <laughs> but Byron Leftwich called the game of his life and they made a lot of adjustments on both sides of the ball from that week 12 game. Kenny White made this point on HQ uh, at halftime of the Super Bowl and, and he said something else that we didn't sort of remember or no one thought to, to look up. The Chiefs had played, uh, the Bucks had played 12 straight weeks in that week 12 matchup. They had no breaks. They were probably exhausted. Uh, and clearly, they turned a corner after that because they, they won. Haven't, they haven't lost. Didn't lost. Didn't lose since. And in fact, according to our buddies, football outsiders, the Buccaneers' offense from week thirteen to now, coming into the Super Bowl, was better than the Chiefs' offense. So Spicy. you don't hear you don't hear that a lot, but we certainly saw it. Well, I, I think that one part there. Remember that time when uh, Brinson. Back in December was saying, uh, if we start talking about the Seahawks defense being awesome, I am going to mute the entire podcast because they just played all the NFC East teams. And so we can't start talking about that. And that was kind of how people felt about the Buccaneers going oh, into that's the right. playoffs call, because they played the Falcons twice. Falcons weren't good. And they played a Detroit Lions team that didn't have a coaching staff, uh, in that Saturday game and they won 47 to seven. So there was a lot of, are the, are they actually good? Because they just averaged uh, about 40 points a game over the final three weeks of the season. And then, uh, playing Washington didn't help things because they couldn't put Wash- Washington might have played the best game against Tampa Bay of yeah. any team in the postseason. So, and, and so after that game, you're still thinking they barely beat Washington. Is this team good? Like, I don't know what to do. And, and so finally, I think in that Saints game where if you might have been ready to turn the corner, it was, well, Drew Brees looked like he's 75 years old. He threw a Saints bunch of interceptions back to him, right? Right. Exactly. And so you felt like again, the Saints kind of threw that Drew Brees gave that game away. And so now you're like, they can't go to Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers. And then what was it there? It was Matt LaFleur uh just making these bonehead co- three picks in a quarter. Tom Brady like, threw three picks in seven plays. Yeah. But you know, you have the Scotty Miller touchdown with one second left in the half because the Packers run a bonehead defense and you have the coach calling for a field goal, uh, you know, when taking yeah. the ball out of your MVP's hand. So there just kept being these things of the reasons not, reasons not to buy into Tampa Bay. Like right, that is, exactly. That's exactly. what I was thinking of on Monday morning. I was like, why did I, I was like, cause you, you want to know, like, why did I miss? Like, why was I, why was I so wrong about it? And it is because like, those are, those are almost exactly what went through my head. It's like, I mean, you know, watching Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think they're good. I mean, but you know, there are these moments where a great team would have taken advantage of it. And I thought that the chiefs would be that team. Um, you I really who, think, you know, just, you know who, just, to, just to be clear, you know, who wasn't afraid to pick the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl? You picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Not in August. That's all that counts. <laughs> I cannot believe you did that. That's that's not that as Breach understands, it's not that big a deal. It's weird. Um, You're weird. So, Todd game Ryan, plan really it. was incredible. Uh, uh, Mark Sherfield, I think, wrote something up at uh, USA Today talking about how uh, various points the Chiefs used a uh, – I mean, excuse me, the Buccaneers used a three-safety look. Um, essentially, they put Antoine Winfield in the middle – as kind of a robber and they deployed those three safeties. They had them, 
two guys would drop down into the box a little bit and basically serve as double teams on Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And so they fit, and then you would have Winfield or whoever else, somebody would rotate back in and play as a center field role too. Um, and so by doing that, I think what was really important about that is that the Chiefs, the Chiefs weren't prepared for it. And offensively, Patrick Mahomes wasn't ready for it. And it, it, it delayed his processing of the play and got him, pushed him further into his reads. So when he actually did have time and some, you know, and sometimes the, the front four would just get home, but when he did have time, to hold onto the ball, it would, it, he wasn't seeing what he was used to seeing in terms of the field and the offense unfolding. And so he would end up taking off running or he'd throw the ball away or try and force something downfield as he's falling off. And so I think you have to give a ton of credit to Todd Bowles there because being able to minimize what Kansas City can do on offense in the early portion of this game is the sort of thing, not dissimilar to what the Giants did against the Patriots where you know, if Kansas City comes out and puts up 14 points quick, maybe it's over, right? But when you, when you stop them from scoring any touchdowns, you know, in the early portion of the game, you start to believe that you can pull this off. And then you saw just, you know, like the, the, the pass rush, uh, floodgates really opened up. Yeah. And, and I think part of that, like what the Buccaneers did on defense last night was like masterclass. This was yeah. Belichick versus the greatest show on turf Rams. Uh, but probably even call. better. You know, it, it was one of those where there's no way you can hold, you can't w- beat them in a shootout. So you're going to have to hold them to, you know, under 20 points, but you can't do that. You can't hold that, that Kurt Warner Rams offense under 20. You can't hold the Chiefs to under 20, certainly not under 10. And, and so, yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you say, but I do think one thing I wonder if more details will come out is if Patrick Mahomes' toe got worse. And the only reason I say that is because you guys know how many rushing yards he had in the second half? Uh, no. None. Zero. It was zero. Wow. Life for his life. So you're talking about he had five scrambles for 33 yards in the first half, and that was what was keeping Kansas City's offense alive. But you did could you see, see – Did you see the next-gen stats? Was. Oh, he ran like 500 yards? He ran 497 yards on Sunday night in the game. That's That's on a bad toe. That's not good. No, that's not good at all, but it, you could, he, he wasn't running. He, you know, when he's healthy, he has a different running motion than he does when he is running with a hobble toe. And it felt like a big part of the Chiefs offense in the first half was his ability to kind of scramble. And the Buccaneers didn't completely try to take that away. It felt like Mahomes tried, was like consciously not trying to scramble in the second half for whatever reason. Maybe it was because he didn't want to take a hit. He didn't want to, he didn't think he'd outrun anyone because of his toe. Uh, so, you know, and, and, there was a report that he's going to get surgery on that. So I would like to know what his pain threshold was in the second half because I don't think, uh, you know, he didn't look like the mobile quarterback, even though he ran 500 yards and whatever. Well, and, you know, Nance and Jim Nance and Tony Romo mentioned the toe thing early on, which sort of leads you to wonder because, you know, these, I mean, look, they're in production meetings with the Chiefs, you know, and they're talking like that's the sort of thing where if you thought his toe was injured, like, or you, you got that sense from whether it's Andy Reid or Eric Bienemy or even Mahomes himself, whoever it is. So, you know, anybody that you're talking to in those pre-production meetings, you obviously wouldn't put anything out there about it. Right. And, but then you would mention it in, like, I'm just thinking through the announcer's thought process. I don't, I don't know for sure what was said, but you know, in that sense, you would, you would then reference it early in the game because you know that it could be a factor and you, you reference it in a veiled way that doesn't, you know, doesn't like, you know, uh, throw anybody under the bus for telling you that Mahomes is hurt. And then, and they mentioned the reports about the, the possible surgery. So yeah, I think, I think you're probably onto something there, Breach. He was but asked again, about that. I just, I just want to be clear. I think the Buccaneers would have won this game based on everything we want. I don't think 100% healthy Mahomes fixes anything. A couple of calls going. He ain't blocking for himself. I mean, ex- exactly. So I, 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 the Buccaneers were the better team. I want to make all the Buccaneers fans clear that this does not mean Kansas City would have won. Well, and just, um, the other thing too is like, was the Chiefs game plan compromised because of Mahomes' injury in the sense of did no. they not, you know, cause he didn't, they didn't do a bunch of bootlegs and rollouts and. No, he ran for 30 yards in the first half or 23, whatever it was. He was part of the reason the running game was working and they're running. I know Breach said on the Sunday night podcast that he wanted to run more. That's not really what they do. And I feel like that would be almost be giving up just because they've made a history of coming back. Um, no, he was, he, he wasn't a hundred percent. I don't think anyone would disagree with that, but Mahomes was asked about his toe after the game and he said, look, I'm not going to use it as an excuse because I played lights out two weeks ago 
against the Bills. And, you know, my toe's not an issue. I, we, we just didn't play play well. He, you know, to sort of what Breach is saying, he gave all the credit to the Buccaneers. And he said, I didn't, I missed some receivers. Some receivers didn't run. They weren't where I thought they were going to be, which is a nice way of saying they ran the wrong routes. <laughs> and he said the offensive line blocked sometimes. And I think he said other times they let people through, which is a nice way of saying the offensive line was dog dookie. <laughs> so I, I don't think his toe was a problem at all, unless, as Breach noted, a lot, something changed from second quarter to the third quarter in terms of him being immobile. But the first quarter, the first half, they were, as you pointed out, they were terrible. So, and he was running around like crazy. And it's just weird to see him go from averaging over six yards per scramble to not even trying to, and it's not a single time in the second half. I think part of that issue was that they were getting home so quickly with four that he didn't, he didn't have a chance to like get outside of the tackles. And I think, cause the one, sack where he was broken into 14 pieces uh, where he got hit high by Sue and someone else and got hit low by Shaq Barrett, I think. I think at that point, that was in the fourth quarter. I think at that point, it's like, you know what, mentally, uh, this is it. I I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to play next year if I keep taking hits like this. And I just wonder if he's just sort of, not shut it down, but played smarter with the understanding that this game's a wash. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're down 28 to 9. You're not trying to get killed. That's really what it comes down to. And by the way, we have to give yeah. Brinson credit, which I don't want to do, but Uh-oh. Mike Garofalo of NFL Network tweeted out. He must have talked about it on, on, on the television program at 3.30 on, on Monday. Um, oh, I guess Peter King reported this too, so Garofalo must be doubling down. Mike Evans told Buccaneers to take back some money to pay other players, which is sort of what Brinson was saying on Sunday night about uh, what Chris Godwin might be willing to do to come back to win another Super Bowl. That was both of us. Oh, by you, the way, were the o- you were the only one against it. I know I was. Uh, I didn't realize I never it probably just went over my head. Did you realize that superb owl always trends on Google this time of year? Yeah. Everybody knows that. <laughs> by the way, that's your the first most, time on the internet, Wilson. That's okay. the most Brinson a- answer ever. Even if he doesn't know, he goes, yeah, everyone knows that. Everybody knows that. Because that's what people use. Because you're not allowed to use the word Super Bowl if you're like advertising anywhere. If you're a restaurant and you're saying, "Hey, we're having all these Super Bowl deals," then you can have superb owl deals. Um, that's correct. I, I, I'm the weirdo. I I didn't think of it. I'm just explaining it to you. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. One more. Uh. By the way. So. Uh, like. I mean. I just also. Think- also, you make that. Insanely rude comment just moments after I gave you a pat on the back. That's how that's how you are. That's the type of person that you are that somehow falls ass backwards into eighty thousand dollars. That's uh, all I'm saying. I didn't fall ass backwards into it. I I worked. I earned it. Um, Here's a fun tidbit from uh, Michael McCarthy. Jim Nance came up with the idea of inviting the healthcare workers to the Super Bowl and giving them free tickets. Oh, you didn't? Wow! Know that? I everybody, didn't know that. Nance. Everybody knew that. See, now I think <laughs> everybody knew Nance came up with that idea. And Jeez. Roger Goodell loved the idea and made it happen. That's I fantastic. That Good job yeah. by Nance. Uh, did, did you know that last night was Jim Nance's 100th game with Tom Brady playing in it? That is crazy. Man. That also, is crazy. I, was re- I was thinking again about our conversation about what Patrick Mahomes would have to do now that he's down seven to one as opposed to six to two. Um, and I said for four more Super Bowls over the next 10 years. He goes 16-0 a couple times. That's not going to be enough. I was thinking because, and we didn't talk about this, but I saw the graphic 4,000 times uh, on, on HQ. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl wins than any team combined. That's correct. Uh, you know what else, Wilson? He has more Super Bowl losses than the Bengals. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Pull up your pants, take off the prawn, be a man. Um, He does have, more Super Bowl losses in the Bengals and the and the Panthers. You know who has more Super Bowl wins though? Super Bowl, Super Bowl rings than Tom Brady. Belichick. He has eight. Mm. So That's what Brady's going for then. Yeah, I mean, like, and you know, we mentioned Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski before the Super Bowl as well. Uh, I think that I'll I'll take a victory lap on on Gronk versus Kelsey because that performance by Gronk, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Kelsey um, had had thirteen, ten catches for one hundred thirty three yards. Kelsey ain't catching Gronk, man. And he had eight drops. What? Oh, catch them for what? For greatest tight end of all time. Oh, get out of here. What? How? How can he get catch him? him next year? Yeah, I mean, this guy. Oh, no, he, he can't even catch Tony Gonzalez next year. 
You know there's what? No, I, here's why Kelsey's still in the argument because nobody associates nobody associates tight ends with how many Super Bowls they win because if they did, Tony Gonzalez wouldn't even be in the top five. That's right. That guy didn't win a Super Bowl, and so it just doesn't matter. It's just about your production as a tight end. That's what people are going to remember ten years after your career's over. Tony Gonzalez is a one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Because they don't, to, they don't bring it into the discussion with Tony Gonzalez because it's not relevant. We well, that's what I'm saying. Gronk. It might not be with Kelsey. He's got Gronk. a Super Bowl title. Gronk has like Gronk. I mean, they don't win against the Rams yeah. without Gronk, Gronk and they don't Gronk. win against the Chiefs without Gronk. I'm saying that Kelsey's likely going to pass Gronk all of Gronk's career numbers except for maybe touchdown catches, and he might pass that. And if he does that, he's, he's not, not catching him in touchdowns. I said he might. Everything. So he said let's he say might. It ain't happening. So let's say he passes him in every single metric except for touchdowns. Who who's the best tight end? And, and there's and, still Tony and Tony Gonzalez is still out there, and Antonio Gates is still out there. I mean, Brenton is the is a slave to recency bias. Whoa, whoa! It's, it's not recency bias. I mean, Tom Brady and and Gronk just won the Super Bowl, man. But Breach just told you, and you didn't listen. That Super Bowls don't matter for tight ends. They do. When you're comparing players, if you're comparing two players, you're going to talk about the Super Bowl victories and you're going to talk about the playoff catches and you're going to talk about the playoff touchdown catches because Gronk is second all time in playoff touchdown catches behind only, uh, this guy named Jerry Rice. He's using second that, all time that. in career Super Bowl catches behind only Jerry Rice. He's second all time in Super Bowl touchdown catches behind only Jerry Rice. Using that logic, um, Steven Goskowski is a better kicker than Jan Stenerud. I mean, I'm not saying you just look at the, the playoffs and the Super Bowl, but it matters. Talking out of both sides of your mouth. No, I'm not. I'm, I've been saying Gronk, that Kelsey won't ever catch Gronk, and I think that, that that's good. I think Breach would know because Gronk went to one person's bachelor party, and it wasn't yours. It wasn't yours, Brenton. That's true. He didn't go to Breach's bachelor party. Breach stalked him. I Whatever. Mean, they were the same they're place. They're both the same true. They, they can both be true, right? Yes. So let me, let me just tell you this about Travis Kelsey. So he had what, 10 catches? So he has 16 catches in his Super Bowl career. Uh, if he has, he's one away from being on the all time top 10 list for Super Bowl history. So if we're talking about Super Bowl records, if Kelsey plays in one more Super Bowl, he's going to be catching Gronk in almost everything except for touchdown passes. How? Because he's going to catch 10 in the next Super Bowl that he plays in? He might. He, he caught 10 in this one. Why not? <laughs> that's ridiculous. How's that ridiculous? He's like, oh, automatically 10 catches. Yeah, that's, that's silly. I, I um, mean. He can't, I, he can't argue with him. Just let him have his own. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like the Gronk, I mean, we slammed the door shut on the Gronk-Kelsey argument, and you guys are clown shows for. Well, for no, no, we're not slamming the door shut. We're just saying Kelsey has a, a few more years up. left. And, and the, you, you slamming the door shut is ridiculous. Well, Breach, Bree, here's the thing. Like, we're going to find out in two years that, that Kelsey's going to have, end up having a slightly better career and Princeton will just pivot and say, yep, Kelsey's better and move on. Like, he won't own it. So it's just, you just wait, don't waste your breath on it. He's wrong. Um, do we think we see it? Who do we, do we see all of Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown and Mike, obviously Mike Evans will be back, but, uh, Gronk and are those all four of those pass catchers back on the Bucks next year? No. I don't think so. And Shaq Barrett's also someone you got to pay. And Levante David, I think you pointed out. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow, too. Um, any other storylines from this particular Super Bowl that, that stand out to you guys? I'll see. I want to wait two seconds till Debo quits typing. He might want us to quit talking. No, he, he quit typing. I don't know what that means. Uh, no, I don't have anything. Do you have anything, Breach? You want to talk 10 more minutes on the kickers again? I mean, if you want me to, I can. I don't. Sure. What, what do you think about the kickers? They were amazing. They were amazing. No, I won't. I won't do that to everyone. I already, you guys let me go on, uh, my kicker tangent yesterday. I don't need to do it. I didn't it. let you do it, but I will ask you this quickly. When's the last time that there were no missed field goals in a Super Bowl? Do you know that? Uh, that has happened. Is that, is that, uh, a within, within the last 10 years. Oh, so it's I, not I, that frequent. It, it doesn't happen frequently, but it has happened somewhat recently. And all those kicks were striped by the kickers, respective kickers. There weren't any sort of, wobbly kicks, sort of like the the punter who struggling to catch the ball. Suckup had one extra point that was like, uh, and you know, you know, I will say, I will say this. I'm actually, <laughs> I, I wanted to bring this up, but then I forgot because we, you know, it wasn't really that big of a deal. But I thought the biggest field goal in the game because the Chiefs were losing by so bad. I don't know that you can count Butker, 
But Ryan Suckup's 52-yard field goal was absolutely clutch because it was 28 to 9. That is where Brady got sacked uh for a 15-yard loss, right? And so now all of a sudden the Buccaneers had fourth and 25 at the Chiefs 34-yard line. And if he misses that field goal, it's still 28 to 9. The Chiefs get the ball at the 42-yard line. All of a sudden you score a touchdown two-point conversion, you're down 28 to 17 with like a minute left in the third quarter. It's anyone's game. Um, and, you know, like I said, there had only been six field goals of 50 yards or more in the Super Bowl. So that was not a gimme. Uh, and like you just said, Ryan, all the field goals were clutch, and that was one that went through. Um, yeah, there's something else. Has to say with and and the kicker. Uh, before, we, um, before we do wrap up, one more thing. Uh, we talked about this with Adam Azer. Breach and I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, where would this? Where is the Super Bowl? How low is the Super Bowl going to rank all time? In terms of it's watchability, pretty far down. In terms of watchability, yeah. Like when I'm when I'm adding it to my rankings next year, where are we going to put this one? Well, currently, last place is I'm guessing Rams Pats. What's next on your list from the Rams bottom? Pats? Is, you guys have that as last? No, that's not last. That's oh, not what, what's last? Like a top twenty one. Broncos yeah, top losing to the 49ers fifty five to ten. At least there are points, though. I think I like points better than no points. Fifty-five to ten. If you're the bra, or if you're the Forty uh, ers you're just loving it. Sort of like Buccaneers fans. How about the Raiders beating Washington thirty-eight to nine? So it's like this game, except worse. I like high-scoring game. Like I, I like blowouts. On, so on I some, have the, the here's here's the bottom five for me on my current rankings. Uh, Super Bowl uh, twenty-nine. 49ers, uh forty-nine. Chargers twenty-six. Do they really? Put up 40, the 49ers put up 49. That's kind of crazy. Uh, they just slaughtered the Chargers in that game. Yeah. Um, I was a senior in college. That's a long Next to, was. next to last, uh, I put the Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl, um, in New York, reaches first Super Bowl. Wait a second. I, I thought that was the most, the Super Bowl in the last 20 years is most comparable to this one yes. where you had a high powered offense that you thought was going to put up points and then the defense was so good it shut them down. But here's the thing. Why, like if you're the Pats or Rams fans, did you enjoy watching a, a game that had eight total points? I just felt like at least in the games that you mentioned here, there were some points scored. Now, look, that Broncos-Seahawks game was an absolute blowout. From- and the entire second half was... Well, the first play of the game was a snap over Peyton Manning's head. It, yeah. They pulled a Roethlisberger safety in the end zone, except... Um, then I have... Uh, Johnny Hecker put on a punting clinic in that Super Bowl, Ryan. Come on. You can't... That's that's top five Super Bowl for me. Well, you have I a got, Then I got Broncos, 49ers 55, Broncos 10, uh, Ravens 34, Giants 7... Uh, yeah, forty eight Raiders twenty one. Hold on, hold on. The Ravens Super Bowl that they had, had just moved from from Baltimore uh, from Cleveland a few years before that. They drafted Ogden and Ray Lewis with their two first round picks, and they won with uh, what's his face, uh, the old Buccaneers quarterback Trent Dilfer. I sort of like that. The, at least there are storylines in any of they. I thought the. I mean, I mean but you got to like. I mean, I mean, we're not like like. I mean, like you. You have to rank them somewhere. <laughs> like it's got to be. So, Ryan, what you're saying is the worst Super Bowls were the ones that were low-scoring blowouts, like 24 to seven. What game is that? That is the Dolphins game from Sunday. <laughs> Dolphins Vikings Super Bowl eight. Yeah. See, I mean, I, I that's hard for me. To, like, I think the Super Bowls before we started watching are hard to gauge. I, I get it, but yeah, I think um, Super Bowl 50, 24 to 10. Super Bowl 50 is um is a good comp, I think. Yeah, that wasn't a great Super Bowl, but I I'm just shocked that you guys don't think that the the Atlanta so I had Super Bowl. The, I had the Patriots Rams 13-3 uh as the as ranked 30th. Oh. All right. Go just And then 29th was Broncos Panthers. Oh, okay, you skipped over that part. Okay, 30. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I mean, you got to remember like a lot, I mean, you know, like some of these, I mean, these old Super Bowls for a long time, the Super Bowls were terrible. Did the underhead in that Rams Pats game yeah, I think so. Nah. Um, like Colts Bears wasn't even that great of a, you know, Devin Hester, the kick return, but that wasn't a great yeah. Super Bowl. It was a, it was a pretty much a, a blowout. Um, you guys want a fun fact real quick? There's Steelers only- Seahawks I have is the 26th Super Bowl. And I that want to know where these Super Bowls are ranked on your list, Brenton. There's only three Super Bowls, uh, in history where one team didn't score a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, no touchdowns by the Chiefs. Super Bowl 55, the Chiefs, Super Bowl. The Rams one that we've been talking about. And the other one was Super Bowl six and the Cowboys beat the Dolphins 24 to three. What do you have Super Bowl six on your rankings? Um, that's my number one. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You're a Cowboys <laughs> homer. Notorious <laughs> I picked, Cowboys I, homer. I picked him to win the Super Bowl before the season. <laughs> Did you? 
No, Breach did. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Super Bowl six is what? Wait, what are the Roman numerals? V I. Jeez, a pizza. V. Well, do you know how hard it is? Should to I do the I, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is this is the guy we have in charge of doing the Super Bowl rankings. You can't even count Roman numerals. <laughs> Please, I'm searching. It's like the second thing uh, you learn at prep school, Brenton. Ca- you talking about Cowboys Dolphins? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just confirming, Ryan. You don't have to be a Wait, jerk about it. I I have that ranked as the 38th Super Bowl. Tom Landry's Cowboys blistered Miami in this one, which is wild because the Dolphins were one season away from going undefeated. Oh, Miami wait managed a second. one second quarter field goal while Dallas rumbled for 252 rushing yards. Wait, I'm an idiot. Uh, for some reason, when you said you ranked the, the Rams past 30th, I was like, Oh, out of 32 teams. No, they're 55 Super Bowls now. <laughs> that should be like, that should be 50 to 55 somewhere. It can't be. I'm telling you, there's a bunch of bad Super Bowls. I have to look at your list. I, you won't believe this. But I haven't read it yet. Wait, you know, Azer was like, I read your list. I was really impressed by that article. That was really good. I was like, I don't want you to, you know, think less of me, Adam, but you do know I, I don't like do the list every year. I just, I wrote it and, once eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. I did. I put a lot of work into it five years ago. And, and now it's like, I get bugged for, to add a blurb for the Super Bowl, each new Super Bowl. Um, doesn't make okay. sense to rewrite everything. That makes the life easy for you, though. I think it is add one blurb and all of a sudden you got a brand new story. That's, yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to grind out. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it should tell me, it should tell me how many words are in that story, right? Let's see. Yeah. It is. Or you you just count them. Right how the CMS works. 4,328. It's pretty beefy. So you write, if my math is correct, 250 words a year for that story. <laughs> That's Stay right. Hot. All right. Hey, work, work smarter. Don't work harder. That's right. All right, that's it for the show. Uh, for John and Ryan, I'm Will. We will, uh, we're gonna, Jared Dubin's gonna come on and break down the Super Bowl with us later this week. We'll have a deep dive into, we'll keep talking, uh, much more, um, <laughs> much more, uh, Brady Quinn's mad at the pick six. Oh, look at Wilson dancing! Uh, yes! The the <laughs> <laughs> pick six party! Pick six party! All right, thanks for listening. Talk to you guys later.